this morning I want to speak to you about something that we are warned about in the scripture that will happen and is happening especially in the last days just before the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we have been warned by the Lord himself and we have been warned by his apostles and in the writings of scripture about a counterfeit spirituality a counterfeit spirituality a false spirituality that will be prevalent in the last days in the final days in the closing moments before the return of the Lord you might be wondering what is a counterfeit spirituality well it is simply building our relationship with the Lord along the lines of false teachings along the lines of incorrect theology and wrong heart positions it's a false spirituality it's a false relationship with God that masks as a true relationship with God and this would be so prevalent in the end times that even righteous people even good people will be hoodwinked and deceived by this false spirituality that has emerged in this end time some might I say well pastor you know that's not possible well I'll read to you from 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and parts of verses 1 and 5 and you can read the whole thing on your own where we are warned that in the last days perilous times shall emerge shall come perilous times refer to a time of threat a time of grave danger a time when truth will be under the severest attack from every quarter imaginable. So the scripture warns that in the last days perilous times shall come because men and women will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, having a godliness that says, I am truly a child of God I am truly a son of God I truly know the Lord I am in a right relationship with him but then that is betrayed by the way they live the scripture says having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away in other words these people have a spirituality that doesn't transform them these folks have a spirituality that does not allow the power of God to change their ways, to change their views, to change their opinions, to change their hearts, and to change their minds. A counterfeit spirituality, a false spirituality that many would embrace and that would creep 
into churches and into the lives of many, bringing great deception. Jesus talks about building a wrong spiritual house. And I'll, I'll read about it, referring to the lives that, the spiritual lives that we build, the lives of faith that we build, the life that we build in our walk with Him, in our relationship with Him. He spoke about a false spirituality and a counterfeit spirituality as well. And I'll read it to you. It's found in Matthew chapter 7 as well, from verse 24, where it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So Jesus is making it clear that there are those who will hear his sayings, hear his words, and then they will live it, or then they will do it. He says those are wise people who build their lives on a firm foundation, or it's like a man who builds his house on a solid rock or on a firm foundation. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And then he goes on to talk about another kind of person who builds a different kind of spirituality. Here's what he says. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. So Jesus is saying that there are others who hear his word, but then they do nothing about it. Then they do not incorporate it into their lives. It does not become a part of how they live. It brings no changes to them. It brings no transformation to them. And Jesus says those who hear his word and they don't do it, they are like a foolish man who builds his house not on a firm foundation, but on shifting, drifting sand. And it goes on to say, and the rain descended. And, and the, the elements of, of, of rain and so on are used to be metaphors for the problems, the issues, the adversities that we face in our lives. And, every, and the rain descended, sorry, verse 27, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and the great was the fall of it. So Jesus identifies these two kinds of lifestyles. One that is genuine, a genuine spirituality. One that reflects a true spirituality based upon hearing his word and doing it. And so building a life that is on a solid foundation so that when the issues of life and the adversities of life and persecutions come against such a person, then his life isn't one that falls apart. His life is the one that shatters, but it stands firm. And it defies all of these negatives that come against it. And then there is the false spirituality. The person who hears the word but does nothing with it. It doesn't change his life. It doesn't transform his life. This is like the person the Apostle Paul talks about who says, this person has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. And so when the adversities of life comes, 
the difficulties of life comes, just as we are facing in our present time, then that spiritual house that was built, because it was built on wrong foundation, a false spiritual house, a counterfeit spiritual house, it crumbles, it shatters, and it falls apart. Ezekiel says something very similar. And I'll spend the rest of my time with you this morning going to Ezekiel and to talking about what he said about this very same thing. He, he addresses this problem about 600 years before Jesus Christ came. And he talked about the same problem of false spirituality or counterfeit spirituality. And it is found in Ezekiel chapter 13. And so I will reference Ezekiel chapter 13 for the rest of the time this morning as we develop this idea of counterfeit, fake, false spirituality that parades itself as true spirituality, that parades itself as the genuine thing, but in reality, it can't stand the test. In reality, it can't stand up to adversity. It crumbles and shatters and falls as soon as it is tested. All right? And Isaiah, sorry, Ezekiel, talking about this, this is how he refers to it in, in chapter 13 here. He talks about building a house with woefully inferior materials. And this is how he says it. One built a wall, dabbed it with untempered mortar. So it's like building a wall, but building it with untempered mortar. And that simply means mortar of inferior quality. There is not enough cement in it. And eventually, it will crumble. It will fall apart. I will rend it. So this is what the Lord is saying through Ezekiel. I will rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, an overflowing shower in my anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So, so God is saying, this wall that is built with false materials, which is likened to a life that is built on false spirituality and a false understanding of truth and the Word of God and what He wants from us. God is saying that this false spirituality, he, it provokes His fury. It provokes His anger. And that He will send a stormy wind against it. And He will send an overflowing shower against it. And He will send a great hailstone against it. And it will shatter. It will crumble. It will simply fall apart because it cannot stand up to the testing. It cannot stand up to persecution. And it cannot stand up to God's trials because it is not what He prescribed. It is not according to His pattern. It is not according to His will. It is not according to His word. It is building a life outside of what God says. It is building a spirituality based on what we like, what we think, what we feel, our opinions and our judgments. All right? 
And so I'm going to develop that a little further, and I'm going to reference some verses and read as we go along. God clearly hates this kind of spirituality. He hates this false spirituality. He hates this counterfeit spirituality. He hates this masquerade spirituality. And as we see in Ezekiel, he would bring great judgment against it. Indeed, as he did bring judgment upon his people here in the book of Ezekiel, and who were taken captives to the land of Babylon because they rejected God. And because they had built this counterfeit spirituality and false spirituality, which provoked the anger of God. Sadly, this state, this false spirituality and counterfeit reality, counterfeit spirituality, sorry, is a reality for way too many churches, so-called full gospel churches, and way, way too prevalent even for those who claim to be true believers in Jesus Christ and who claim to know the Lord. So we are going to examine this a little further so that you and I can know where we stand in relation to a counterfeit spirituality. What causes it? Well, Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 4 to 6, I'll read it, and you get an idea of what causes it. Here's what it says. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. And some of you might say, well, this has been addressed to Israel. No, it's been addressed to the people of God, and it, it enshrines an eternal principle, not just a spiritual truth that applies to the nation of Israel, but that applies to all of God's people in every time and in every age. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. In the day of the Lord refers to the time of God's testing and His judgment. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying the Lord saith. So the prophets were telling lies and they were bringing false visions to the people, saying that the Lord had given them these visions the Lord had given them these words. And the Lord had not sent to them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. And, and the whole chapter is like this. Okay? So let's see what causes counterfeit spirituality. Well, it begins with false prophets. It begins with false ministers who therefore teach the wrong things. Who therefore twist the word of God, who twist truth and mix truth with opinions, mix truth with all kinds of things that we picked up here and there and all over the place. God doesn't need us to validate what he says. He knows himself. He knows who he is. That is why he has given us a revelation of his truth. God is not to come down to our standards and live according to our definitions of spirituality and right and wrong. No. He tells us what true spirituality is. He tells us what right is. And He tells us what wrong is. He sets the standards and He expects us to honor those standards and to live by them. So, 
false spirituality, counterfeit spirituality, begins with false teachings. It begins with false doctrine. It begins with those who have false hearts and false intentions and who have no convictions about mixing truth with error and teaching it as if it was the pure word of God. So we're going to look at some false prophets and we're going to look at the characteristics of false teachers and false prophets and false ministers. All right? And the first thing we would notice about them in Ezekiel here is that they teach or they preach or they prophesy out of their own hearts. Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. I'm staying in Ezekiel chapter 13 for the rest of the morning. All right? False prophets, the first characteristics would be those who preach, teach, and prophesy out of their own hearts. Verse 2 and 3. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. So God is saying very clearly, identifying who these false prophets are and the identifying their behavior and their characteristics. They prophesy and teach out of their own hearts. In other words, they teach out of their feelings. They prophesy out of their feelings. They prophesy out of their own carnal, sensual, human, physical thoughts. Has nothing to do with the Word of God. It just has to do with what feels right for them, what feels good for them, what they think people want to hear. They prophesy or they teach or preach out of their own human hearts and out of their own carnal emotions. They are not hearing from God. They are not hearing the voice of God. And even when God speaks to them, they reject what He says because it sounds too serious. And they are thinking, if we say these serious things to these people, then we would lose their support. We would lose our popularity. They would not like us anymore. Yeah, that is exactly what was going on in the minds of these false prophets who were bringing false messages to the people of God. A second characteristic of false prophets is that they are like animals of prey, animals who pounce animals who capture a prey and destroy. So, verse 4 tells us, O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the desert. Jesus says, they are like ravening wolves. And these are animals of prey. A fox is known for his cunning and for his cleverness and for his ability to set up his victim and to deceive them. Alright? And this is the exact quality of the false teachers and the false prophets and those who say that they have a word from the Lord when God has not given them anything. They do it to deceive. They do it to win people to them. They do it to win large numbers to them because large numbers would mean gain and profits and recognition and popularity and money. And that is exactly what is said in verse 19. I'll read it to you. 
And will he pollute me among my people? God is speaking to the prophets and to the ministers and to the preachers and to the priests. And will he pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die? So God is saying, will you continue to do this, to be false and to teach falsely and to give false vision and false words that I haven't given you? Will you continue to do that? for bread, for barley, for material gain, for money, for physical things. And this shows the motivations of those false prophets who teach, preach, and prophesy in this way. Their intention is not to bring any praise to God or not to bring any glory to God or not to bring men to obey God and to seek Him alone. Their intention is solely to captivate men for themselves. It is to captivate men for their selfish intentions and for their selfish motives. False prophets are characterized by the description of being an animal of prey, ravening wolves and like foxes, with cunning and deception, and with doing what they do for material, physical, financial gain over people. A third characteristic is that they replace God's word. Listen to this carefully. They replace God's word with man-made rituals and superstitions. I will repeat it because this is such an important point. They replace God's word. They replace what God says. They substitute this for man-made rituals and superstitions. And I'm going to read something to you here that would shock many of you because you may never have read this in the Bible before and you may never have seen this in the Word of God before. It's found right in Ezekiel chapter 13 from verses 18 to 21. And this is what it says. And say, thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the woman that sow pillows to all armholes and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will he hunt the souls of my people? And will he save the souls alive that come unto you? And will he pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread? to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies? Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against your pillows, wherewith ye there hunt the souls to make them fly, and I will tear them from your arms, and will let the souls go, even the souls that he hunt to make them fly. Your kerchiefs also will I tear, and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted, and he shall know that I am the Lord. Now, the Lord identifies female prophets who were doing this, but there were male prophets doing the same thing. So just in case you think this is a gender issue, no, it's not. 
It is an address to all the teachers and the ministers and the prophets who were false, who were mixing the Word of God with error and with lies. Now, these people, they had rituals that they had made up. And their rituals involved giving charmed and enchanted articles of clothing to their victims. They would call them blessed articles of clothing, whether it was placed on people's heads or upon their wrists or upon other parts of their bodies. They would tell them that these things would bring a special blessing to your life. These things, these charms will bring good luck to you. These charms will make you successful in your business or financial dealings. And this doesn't sound like something that happened thousands of years ago because these things are happening right now in our very own time. And there are many of you who know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know people who do these things. We have replaced truth. We have replaced the Word of God with our superstitions with our made-up rituals and formulas and charms that we want to give to people that have nothing to do with their salvation, have nothing to do with their deliverance from sin, have nothing to do with their walk in the Spirit, pleasing before God. And many are guilty of this. Even in our full gospel churches, people appear to be more attracted to simidimi. That's a local Trinidad word. I think we understand that clearly. People are more attracted to simidimi than to truth. More attracted to superstitions than the raw, pure, righteous, holy word of God. People seem to be depending more on these so-called charms, however you call them, more than the Word of God, a relationship with Him, than in their prayer life and the study of His Word and going before God humbly to acknowledge His Lordship over us. We seem to be depending more now on our charms and our rituals and our superstitious practices and belief rather than in our relationship with the true Son of God who produces in us by this Holy Spirit holiness, righteousness, godliness, compassion, love, and Christ-like behavior. These things are very serious. These are not only charges leveled against people living 2,600 years ago. These spiritual truths that are identified here reveal things about successive generations that they practice contrary to truth, contrary to solid scriptural teaching. So I'm going to go over these characteristics of the false prophets that I've mentioned so far. Number one, they prophesy, preach, and teach out of their own hearts. Number two, they are like animals of prey. Number three, they replace God's word with man-made rituals and superstitions. If you are listening to me this morning, if you are listening to me this morning, and you have replaced God's Word with rituals and superstitions and charms, then the Bible says the people who practice this, they hunt for souls. That means they want to bring people under their control. They want to bring people not under God's influence to set them free, 
but under their influence and power where they could control them and manipulate them for their gain and for their purpose. I trust I don't have to say more, but that you understand this very clearly. Believers manipulated. Those who want to seek God and maybe through ignorance, they don't know the word, but they really genuinely want to seek God. But they have been manipulated by clever people. People who have the nature of the wolf and the fox. Cunning, deception to destroy. May God help us this morning to understand that we cannot mix Jesus with anyone else and with anything else. Hallelujah. We cannot mix hearing the word and with doing something different to what we heard and different to what the word of the Lord says. Another characteristic of false prophets is that they promote wickedness and the evil and they cause the righteous to stumble. I repeat, they promote evil and cause the righteous to stumble. They call right wrong and wrong right light darkness, darkness light night day and day night. They reverse all our understandings of conventional orthodox truths. The truths about the family, the truths about marriage, all of these things that are under severe attacks. And what about life in the womb? What do we call it? Well, God calls it the murder of the innocents. Doesn't matter what we call it. And we are talking about the science of the WHO quite a lot now and the science of the United Nations. But it is the science of the United Nations, it is the science of the WHO that killing a child in the mother's womb from one to nine months is not murder. If that is a science you could trust, then God help us. When God calls that science the murder of the innocents, blatant murder before God, we redefine these things and we tell people that wrong is now right. Listen, we've got to be careful. Believers, let us be careful about these things. Verse 22 tells us about this. About the false prophet influencing the righteous to stumble. Because with lies he have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising, promising him life. So you have made the wicked more wicked because you are telling the wicked nothing is wrong with their wickedness. You are sanitizing their wickedness. You are telling them their evil is no longer evil and that they, nobody should, should charge them or should hold them accountable for burning up buildings and burning up cities and shooting people up and destroying them and killing them. That's happening in, in important places in the world right now. And that is slowly coming and seeping into our society. We've already decriminalized marijuana. And we're moving further in that direction, away from God. When we embolden the wicked, you can guess, you can bet that God is displeased with what we are doing. When we bring shame to the righteous, when we have to cause the righteous to cower in fear, as this is happening across the world right now, some of you might be aware that in, in Canada, there are several pastors 
who are charged. Some of them are in jail and who have been subjected to horrendous conditions. Why? For opening their churches and for having people come to church so that they can hear the Word of God just like I'm sharing with you this morning. And sometimes because, because iniquity abounds, that's exactly what Jesus says, because iniquity shall abound in the last days, the love of many shall wax cold, because sin is so rampant, because sin has become so easy to live with. We've been desensitized from right and wrong. Sin is so prevalent and it surrounds us so much and so many people are practicing it that we don't even call it sin anymore. We get comfortable with it. And we are afraid to even speak out. We are afraid to tell anybody. In fact, from our pulpits, the word sin has been deleted. God help us when as the righteous, we have to be afraid of evil. When as the righteous, we are so confused because of the prevalence of false prophets and false teachers and false ministers in our midst that we don't know the truth again. Righteous, righteous people who are listening to me this morning, the truth is found in this. You should study it. You should read it. You should ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding and revelation of what you read. You should align yourself with those who teach faithfully and truthfully the Word of God, not those who have rejected the authority of Scripture and rejected the authority of God's Word, not those who promote their visions and their opinions above the teachings of Scripture. Those who do that are false teachers and false prophets and false ministers in our midst. Righteous, the righteous, the people of God, you do not need to be intimidated. You do not need to be in a place of conflict and doubt in your mind about what is right and wrong because that confusion only comes from man, not from God. God's word is clear about what is right and what is wrong. So false teachers, they even cause the righteous to stumble. They even cause the righteous to lose their faith. They even cause the righteous to be weakened. They even cause the righteous to stop praying as much as they're supposed to. But my prayer this morning is that the righteous people, the righteous of God, will be filled with the discernment of the Holy Spirit and will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be able to discern right from wrong. You will be able to discern truth from error. And you will be able to discern the false from the genuine this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Another characteristic, the, the last one that I would look at, and there are many more, but I'm, 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 I just selected these because they're so clearly presented in Ezekiel chapter 13. And so just by way of review, these false prophets, what are their characteristics again? They prophesy, they preach, and teach out of their own hearts, out of their own minds, not from the Word of God. Two, they are like animals of prey. Three, they replace God's Word with man-made rituals and superstitions. And four, they promote evil and cause the righteous to stumble. And the, the fifth characteristic is that they provoke God's anger. 
and they bring the judgment of God against them. I repeat, they provoke false teachers, provokes the anger of God, and brings His judgment against them. Our world right now is provoking God's anger because we have drifted so far from truth. We have closed this word. We speak against this book. Even in our churches we do. We've rejected this as God's truth. And so God is provoked in His wrath and in His anger against those who have dishonored Him and spoken against Him and have sought to change His word and change His laws and change His ordinances and change His commandments to something that pleases them and something that they like. False teachers, false prophets, false ministers provoke God, provoke His anger, and causes Him to stand against them in judgment. Verses 8 and 9 tells us about this, and I'll read it. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you, saith the Lord. When God is against you, you are in trouble. When God is against you, there's little hope for you. And God is against us when we stand against Him. God is against us when we reject His truth consistently. When we accept lies above truth. When we accept false above the genuine. Let us be careful. I'll continue the reading. Verse 9. And my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity. So God is saying, my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity. Not to bless them, but to bring judgment upon them. And, the, and, they, and, and they that divine lies, they shall not be in the assembly of my people. God will remove them from the congregation of his saints. Neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. They would not be in the books, God's books, or in the books of love, life, the Lamb's book of life, in the books of righteousness. Neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord God. And all that is happening in our world is to bring us to one place, to recognize who God is. We have forgotten. We have become confused about who He is. But God isn't. And God is doing all, allowing all of this to happen, to refocus our attention back to Him. Many of us, we've been hearing about the return of the Lord for a long, long time. We've disbelieved it. We've thrown it out. But if you have any idea about what the Scripture teaches about the end times and the signs of the end times, if you still continue to disbelieve that Jesus is returning again and that we are living in the end times and that God will judge sin, then something has to be very, very wrong with your conscience, with your heart, with your mind, and with your soul. And so... In the midst of this darkness of falsehoods and counterfeit spirituality, God offers some hope to His people right here in Ezekiel chapter 13. Hallelujah. The problem arose in the first instance from failing to address the people's spiritual condition with truth. 
are failing to acknowledge God's word as more important than their word and therefore failing to accept God's solution to their problem, failing to accept God's solution to their spiritual state, that's where the problem arose, from believing false teachings and from the false teachers teaching false teachings, causing the people to have faith in, in, and, and to have hope in falsehoods. All right? So God is offering hope. What does he say to his people? Verse 22. Here's what he says to them. Ezekiel chapter 22. And I'm reading the last part of the verse, the last two lines, where it says, that he should not return from his wicked way. All right, now, the lies and so on will cause people to stay in evil and stay in sin and to stay in their wickedness. But when you see this expression here, that he should not return from his wicked ways by promising him life, God is expressing his desire for the wicked to return to him from his wickedness, for the wicked to turn from his wicked ways. So that's, that's the first thing. For the wicked to acknowledge their wickedness. For the evil to acknowledge their evil. And for those of us who may not see ourselves as wicked or evil, but we've mixed spirituality. We've, we've mixed up our spirituality with flesh and with carnality and with charms and with so-called superstition and rituals. We've mixed up our faith with simidimi and all kinds of weird things. We may not be practicing open sin like some are, but we have a convoluted spirituality. We have a convoluted spiritual relationship with the Lord. God is saying, return. Return. Acknowledge where you are. Don't try to justify yourself. This is what happens to us when we are in error. We've been in it for so long that when we hear somebody speaking against it or bringing correction to us, our mind goes into overdrive to look for reasons in what we are doing to make our actions seem right to us. We seek to justify ourselves. But listen, this morning, the only way we'd be helped out of counterfeit spirituality is to acknowledge that we are in that place, wherever we are. Some of us may not be there, but there are many of us who are guilty of this counterfeit spirituality. In the modern church, it's, 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 it shows up in many different ways. It is about having a relationship with Christ it is about saying that I am a believer, saying that I'm a Christian, but in your life there is no place for reading God's Word. Basic things, simple things. In your life there is no place for prayer. And your prayer is just God bless my food. It has to be more than that. Prayer must reflect a relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer must reflect submission to His will and the desire to do His will. Many of us, we have accepted that kind of counterfeit spirituality, a spirituality that has little prayer in it, little to nothing of reading God's Word, little to nothing of fellowship with God's people and being with God's people and being united with the believers and the body and the church of Christ. And we understand the difficulties at this time, but, but this time is, 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 is not the only time that reveals this. Even when we didn't have these times and we didn't have this kind of adversity, there are those who still don't love the fellowship of the saints. There are those who still don't love the unity of the saints and still believe that that spirituality is okay and that God accepts it. So God admonishes His people, first of all, 
to return to him from their wicked ways. And then in verse 23, he also tells them to return to him for deliverance. And I can tell you something, when we brought ourselves under false teachings, under counterfeit spirituality, that counterfeit spirituality and those false teachings become a bondage and a stronghold and chains around our minds, around our beliefs, around our lives, unseen chains. And some of us are not even aware that we are under bondage. Some of us are not even aware that we are in chains. Some of us are not even aware that we, in a, we are in a separation from God and in a separated relationship from Him. We're not even aware that these things have pulled us away and we've become more attached to superstition, more attached to simidimi, more attached to rituals. We've become more attached to our ideas and to our opinions and feelings and we've been removed from truth and the Word of God. We're not even aware that we need deliverance. We're not even aware that this thing has become a stronghold and a bondage in our lives, that we need to be set free from it. Verse 23 tells us about this. All of these charms that the people were wearing on their wrists and on their heads and other parts of their body and so on, that they received from somebody who blessed it, from somebody who said, well, this is going to bring you good luck. This is going to bring you favor. This is going to do this for you. This is going to do that for you. Those things, those things because they do not exalt Jesus and they do not promote your holiness and your relationship with Him, they carry another spiritual influence and another spiritual power that doesn't come from God. It brings a wrong spiritual presence into your life. These things are, are attached to demonic entities and demonic powers come over people's minds to pull you away from truth, to pull you away from Christ, to cause you to become attached to something that takes your heart and takes your mind and takes your time and takes your devotion. So look at verse 23. Therefore, he shall see no more vanity nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand. God is saying, I will deliver my people out of the hand of the false teachers and the false prophets and the false ministers, and he shall know that I am the Lord. But we could only be delivered when we return. We could only be delivered when we acknowledge the bondage, when we acknowledge the error, when we, are, when we acknowledge the place where we've been driven to, away from God, far from Him, separated from Him. This morning I trust that this principle, this teaching, would help us to understand that we cannot be counterfeit Christians. We cannot be fake Christians. We cannot be people with a counterfeit spirituality, with a mixed spirituality. We cannot be those who hear the word, but then do nothing else with it. We hear the word. We probably sit in church. We probably look at a video. You're probably looking at this live streaming, and you're shaking your head with me. And, and you're saying, yes, pastor, preach it. That is so true. And yet you would hold on to your charms. Yet you would hold on to certain sacred objects that you should just mash up and get rid of. Because they are a bondage over your life. There are people that we talk to and we pray with and they would not give up those things. And so this morning, this is what you can do to come into deliverance. 
you have to acknowledge that you need to return to the Lord. And you have to acknowledge, God, I need to be set free from these things that have become bondages in my life. I need to be set free from these things that have taken my heart away from you, taken my mind away from you, taken away my focus from you. In the modern era, it would be technological devices taking our hearts and captivating our hearts and holding us in addictions. And so we don't have time to pray, don't have time to read God's Word, don't have time to get down on, on our knees and cry out to God because these devices have become addictive in our lives. And this morning we need to acknowledge and to see that we need to be delivered and we need to be set free. And that is what deliverance means. It means to be set free from every besetting force, from every besetting influence that compromises your walk with God, that compromises your relationship with God, that, that takes away, that subtracts from true spirituality, that subtracts from true devotion and commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, I pray that you would be captivated by truth and not error. You'd be captivated by Christ, 